Tuesday afternoon radio show and if you hear that song you know that we are going to be doing a currency of truth segment me and uh, Bill Hughes we do a podcast where we talk about digital currencies and we talk about web 3 and all sorts of interesting things that are happening and uh, this is one of those uh, episodes where we are combining characters and universes because it's the radio show that we do on WGXE and it's also an edition of the Currency of Truth where we're going to actually talk about some pretty startling news. So first let me introduce uh, Bill Hughes for those who don't know you. Bill, can you give everybody a little bit of brief about who you are and what you do? Yes, sir. Happy holidays to everyone out there. and um, You know, hi to you, brother. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, Bill Hughes, born and raised in the city of Hudson, served four years on the city council, 10 years on the Columbia County Board of Supervisors, and now becoming an entrepreneur in the cannabis industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, while you are not, uh, we're not giving investment advice at all, uh, you are very knowledgeable about the crypto industry. industry, block, uh, 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 Bitcoin, blockchain, all those kinds of things that uh, I think we spoke about uh, on our program that you you really kind of got into this during the pandemic. That's correct. I, you know, um, during the pandemic, um, I really stopped watching TV and I got into to podcasting and actually watching other people's podcasts. And um, they led me to looking into initially Bitcoin, but then started looking into other digital assets and the role they're going to play in um, the future world. And uh, I was hooked since then. Now, anybody that's been following this uh, technology, uh, seeing the sort of the volatility and the enforcement actions that have been happening against many of the exchanges. Uh, we've seen uh, what has happened to, to Binance. They had a $4 billion fine. Uh, and then we see, of course, what happened uh, in... Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm losing... XDX. XDX, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Uh, so... This seems to be a very unsettling time. And I think people looking at it from the outside might think, what is going on with these things? And they might not understand the differences, you know, of some one or exchanges, you know, how does this all uh, connect? Because people might see it just as one uh, huge uh, thing, but they are very different animals in the marketplace. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, um, brother. I, I, you know, I happen to think that some of that confusion is is caused on purpose to keep people from investing in the markets mm-hmm. because a lot of times when you look at FTX, for example, it's an exchange. When you look at Binance, it's an exchange. Coinbase, it's an exchange. And now the latest lawsuit against Kraken, they are also an exchange. They are not cryptos. Right? So, so, and, so, but how, how, let's let us go to some of these definitions too before we go too far. So, you know, a cryptocurrency is uh, well. I'm going to let you describe. You give us a definition of a, a cryptocurrency and how that is separate and distinct from an exchange. 
So so let's go back a lot. They're moving away from calling crypto um, currencies and calling them digital assets. Right. right. And the reason why they're calling them digital assets is because they're a technology that allows you to move value over the blockchain. And, and so you have a whole host of digital assets that do a, a myriad of different things. Some move money, some move things of value, some move data, some store data. Um, you know, some allow you to do smart contracts uh, between various entities or people. Uh, so, so the digital assets out there um, do a whole host of things. Now you have some digital assets out there um, that people created that don't do anything. They're right. just a mean point. And, right. and I think that's where um, you had, you know, because it was a NASCAR market, a very early market. Um, some people were feeling as though they were scared because they invested money into some digital assets that were create, created out of the thin air that don't do anything. But there is a handful of them, and it is a handful. Right? The, the belief is that 99% of the crypto market will go away, sort of like in the dot-com era. Yeah, you know, I was going to say had, that. Yeah, when you had pet.com, wedding.com, and, and you look, when you looked up at the end of the day, you know, more than two-thirds of the dot-com era just collapsed because th there was no real usefulness with it. And it's the same thing that everybody is speculating is going to happen with crypto. Well, one of the things that what FTX did, I mean, there was the whole commingling of funds because there was a hedge uh, fund, uh, Alameda, and yeah. you know, and and some of the funds that were in his uh, exchange were then being used for that. And I don't know what the what the uh, what the intricacies of what happened with Binance were. Although I know that we talk about this, um, they normally. In this record-keeping system, this ledger, this digital ledger, you know, you 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 have a thing called know your customer, and that mm -hmm. is all about trying to make sure that there's no money laundering or or uh, legal things happening. And it seems that Binance really didn't do his due diligence, you know, in that area, and therefore a lot of the funds that that, that were used and traded in transactions were used for nefarious purposes. Right, and so so Binance is a little unique from from the other three, meaning FTX, um, Coinbase, and Crack. The rate latest are cracking. Um, so Binance really is not licensed in the U.S. Um, okay. And so you know KYC, which is know your customer and AML, anti money laundering. Uh, apparently, one of the things that was charged on um, Binance is that they didn't adhere to those um, standards, which is, you know, typical standards um, through the SEC in the U.S. Now, Kraken was just sued um, for offering uh, securities, which would, Coinbase was also um, sued for offering securities. Um, but, but the difference with Kraken is they were also sued um, for doing exactly what FTS did and I don't know the details, but what they said is they commingled funds. Um, and if that is the case, that that would be a little disturbing because what that means is, if you Randall or me Bill are buying assets on on um, Kraken, we expect our assets to be there. But when what they're claiming in actuality is that Kraken is using that money um, to do other investments in other areas. Um, so 
our money isn't actually there. So and, and that would that would be disturbing if that's the case. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, whether it be a bank or a law firm or whatever, you expect that, you know, you're, there's a certain sanctity of purposes, you know, the way where your money is used and retained and hopefully safeguarded. Now, right. is the enforcement activities that we're seeing, is that a sign that the governments are really trying to clean up? the whole uh, crypto marketplace and really root out the bad actors? Um, you know, it really, I find it interesting, um, Randall, because you have in some instances where you see the government, especially the SEC, going after what they, they consider to be bad actors. Uh, but when then you look at the market and you say, okay, they're suing these exchanges for offering securities and not registering. But the main problem, the biggest problem with crypto is there's no legislation right now um, to say what is a security and what is a commodity. Because if it's a commodity, it falls under the jurisdiction of the CFT, which is on um, the CFTC, which is Commodity Future Trading Commission. If it's a security, then it falls under the SEC, which is a Security Exchange Commission. So there's two different commissions with two different purposes, but because there's no legislation in the U.S. that outlines what is a security and what is a commodity, uh, there's no real true uh, meaning right now of what what uh, crypto assets are, except for Bitcoin, which the CFTC and the SEC both have declared Bitcoin as a commodity, which means Bitcoin falls under the S on the CFTC. Now we've talked about this on our show uh, before, and we've had um, uh, is he Assembly Member Vance? What's his title? Yeah, uh, Vernell. 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 And we yeah. we've. we've uh, talked about the need for legislation. He's got a couple of bills uh, mm -hmm. before the legislature uh, trying to get these passed so that there are coherent policies that are in place to protect the public. And uh, this seems to still be an uphill battle, even in the state of New York, which has been uh, very progressive and proactive in, in in limiting what they feel are bad actors and it's very stringent to be able to get to do any sort of licensing to do uh, uh, this kind of uh, investing or, or you know, in New York, it's, it's very difficult among one, among one of the most difficult places. But what is the holdup you see that the government is is having and really trying to codify some rules that make sense. So what I think what a lot of the major firms have been doing now is, I don't want to say ignoring the other crypto assets, but they've been focusing on Bitcoin and really explicitly focusing on doing a Bitcoin spot ETF. Now, there's two different kinds of ETF. Right now, we have several future ETFs in the U.S., but we don't have a spot BTF. And the difference, the difference is a future ETF is you can speculate on the price of what um, Bitcoin is, right? So, so you're basically, it's almost like a Forex kind of trade. You're, you're trading based on the price. A spot BTF right. is you actually have the physical asset in hand. So you're, so 
your trades are based on the price of the physical asset, not not just of the futures of it. Um, okay, so again, let's let's get make sure that our audience knows our definition. So we're talking about an exchange traded fund. Traded fund, correct. So um, again, when people look at this, they look at the marketplace and they see um, people going to jail, people going to court. It really makes some people uh, nervous. Most people nervous, especially if you're not really into it, but there are a great deal of opportunities and things that are happening. Now, we've got a clip from Larry Fink uh, and a couple of clips that we're going to play today. Uh, let, why don't we play that one? And then uh, I want you to respond to that and tell me what uh, you think uh, of what he's saying. Bitcoin investors are hooked on the renewed interest from major Wall Street players, especially with prices stuck in a tight range for weeks. Big names in finance have recently put proposals before the SEC aiming to bring about a new way for the masses to invest in Bitcoin. Asset management giant BlackRock took the first steps yesterday to launch a spot Bitcoin ETF, filing an application with the SEC to launch the iShares Bitcoin Trust. This is all about sentiment, right? BlackRock filing for a Bitcoin ETF is a huge moment. Would you bet against BlackRock? No. You know, they're, they're the behemoth. BlackRock, the largest asset manager in the world, filed to offer a spot Bitcoin ETF, sparking competition as other Wall Street players rushed to submit filings shortly after. Other big investment firms like Fidelity, ARK, Invesco, and WisdomTree also hope to take advantage of Bitcoin's reputation as digital gold. Somebody asked me, oh, why is Bitcoin an investable asset? I say, well, why is gold an investable asset if you believe that, right? And you see a lot of these same qualities, whether it's, um, you know, a, an inflationary hedge, um, a non-censorable asset, or at least not easily censorable asset that you see with gold. 20 years ago now. But crypto is, it's supposed to be a distributed ledger that is across the system. I actually believe this technology is going to be very important. I am, I, you know, look at it. We have been part of a huge revolution in investing through ETFs. We believe that ETFs will be changing the whole way we invest. Many people still use it as a means, well, people are investing it f for indexing. No, the majority of people who are putting money in an index, in an ETFs are active investors that are buying exposure. The entire bond market is being transformed as we talk right now. I believe the next generation for markets, the next generation for securities will be, will be tokenization of securities. Um, we will, and if we can have that distributed ledger that we know every beneficial owner, every beneficial seller, we all have our, our, our code right. of who's buying, who's selling, instantaneous settlement. And think about it, it changes the whole ecosystem. So I know there was a lot to take in because there were two clips, actually. There was a one clip that talked about ETF uh, in general and what's happening. And the second voice that you were hearing was Larry Fink uh, talking uh, about ETF and, and the marketplace. Um, so I know it's a lot to unpack, uh, but why don't we give it a stab? Yep, yep. So so the, the first clip really was talking about um, BlackRock and other other agencies that are now racing to establish this ETF. But how they came to even thinking about this ETF, first is, like I said, the two agencies, the CF, the C, um, SEC and the CFTC, declaring Bitcoin a commodity, which means that's probably a, a safe 
asset outside of all the rest of the, the cryptos right now. So MicroStrategy, which is a company um, out there, which actually applied for, was the first to apply for ETF, took the SEC to court because the SEC refused, refused to um, establish a spot ETF. And the judge ruled that the SEC was in violation of holding up uh, a spot ETF. So um, they then ordered the, the SEC to take action. And as soon as that happened, then, then there was a flood of applications now coming from other agencies saying, well, we want to spot ETF too. And now what, what really has people, um, I think, you know, overly excited is the fact that BlackRock and, and um, Fidelity. So when you look at the, the net worth of BlackRock is $10 trillion. And if you were to take 10%, you don't need a whole of their money. If you take 10%, of, of Black Rock's um, estimated value and put it into Bitcoin to secure it, like, like you know, like they, what they're calling it, digital gold, you now make the crypto market a $10 trillion market. Right now, it's at 1.8. Think about it. It's at 1.8 and, and Bitcoin is at 37,000. So magnify that by 10. And that's the minimum value of Bitcoin, maybe even exceeding that. You're taking Bitcoin up to three hundred and seventy to five hundred thousand um, dollars, and that's what ha people are so exuberant and, and um, really confident about is the fact that you don't have just BlackRock. You have BlackRock Fidel Fidelity in itself is is seven trillion dollars. So when you start taking all these trillions and putting them into the into the um, uh, um, digital asset world, <laughs> I mean. You know what is going to be the worth of, of the digital asset world once once you start putting all these assets in there? I mean, it could be a ten, twenty, thirty trillion dollar market overnight. Absolutely, and this is, you know, one of the reasons why we talk about this is that you know these are huge numbers and these are uh, complex technologies that you really do have to spend some time in learning. But the mm -hmm. idea of the podcast is to really allow people and, and this radio and this particular segment of the, of, of our radio show today is to give people a sense of what is going on in the marketplace, because we really feel like the bit, uh, the blockchain technology is going to really change so much that is fundamental to the way that people uh, spend money, the way they, 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 they the way currencies flow, and the way that really, when you get down to the people live their lives, and then most people don't know a lot about this. So this is a, a an educational research, especially uh, uh, communities that are not really banked. You know, if you don't really know what is happening, it's hard to understand and be ready for the things that are happening. Well. Randall, if you listen to Larry Fink, he told you a lot of things in there. He says, you're going to have this distributed ledger. You're going to get this code. This code will, will allow me to, to see the trades, be able to identify my trades, right? He was saying all these code and buzzwords. If you don't understand blockchain and, and how digital assets are used on blockchain, then it would sound like, you know, a, a whole bunch of nonsense to you, almost like Charlie Brown talking. <laughs> but if you, really, right. if, if you really get down to the understanding, though, of blockchain, and, and I've been spending my time to understand it, you will then now know 
that you need other digital assets in order to move that value around on the blockchain network. And this is why I was saying is you look at the price of Bitcoin, it's $37,000. Well, most of us running around here don't have $37,000 to buy one, just one Bitcoin, let alone buy three, four or five. You know, you're uber wealthy are doing that. But the, but the, there are digital assets out there that are cents, 10 cent, 5 cent, 8 cent, that are actually going to help move these, these things of value around. You, you remember, you listened to the clip of Larry Fink. He says the entire securities market, that's not me saying this, that's Larry Fink, the, who's running the largest investment on, on firm in the world right now. He said the securities market, the bond market, and all assets will be digitized. And the reason why they will be digitized is so that you can trade and sell them and buy them over blockchain. And if that's the case, you will need a heck of a lot of different digital assets to, to handle those processes, whether it's smart contracts, whether it's allowing you to move money, or if you're, if you're digitizing gold or your, your title to your car, you will need some form of a digital asset or crypto to do that. And what I'm trying to do and what I, try, I think we're trying to do with our podcast is to identify some of those cryptos that do that work that are very affordable right now. Now, just to give a, a sense of scale. Now, Bitcoin in 2010 was worth nine cents. Yes, in 2011 it was worth a dollar. Right, and so now we're now we move up to 2022, and the valuation now is 2023. 2023. Excuse me, and you know, and the value now is what 37,000, 37,000, some change. Yeah, and, and I think it, today, um, in 2021, it got as high as seventy thousand. That that was its peak. But I'm saying, yeah. when we think about these things and we think, oh, you know, this is a flash in the pan. This is not really going to be um, anything that, that is, has a lasting impact. But you see that when you really look at it, it's anything but. I mean, you know, you look at the values which have uh, going down to, I mean, like I said, 2021 was an historic uh, price peak. Yeah. But um, we're really up around the 2020 level right now, but it's still substantial. And, you know, and again, if you look at it from the, I could have bought these for a dollar back in the day. Uh, yeah. These are extraordinary things. And you talk about life thing, talking about uh, market valuations of 7 million, I mean, 7 trillion, you know, where, you know, that's a third of the U.S. gross domestic product. So these are very important uh, financial developments and trends that are happening that people should pay attention to. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why we're, we're both talking about this and, you know, just kind of putting it into the consciousness, whether you're an investor or not, you should learn about this. You should try to get some insight about this because this is going to be important to your future. Look, the, the, when I talk to people, and I remember I used to have two years ago have conversations with people, and they were like, ah, oh, that blockchain stuff, I don't want to talk about it. Look, you almost can't go anywhere in the world. Forget just New York or, or a New Jersey or somewhere. You can't go anywhere in the world where they are not presenting some sort of digital asset technology bill or they're in the process of developing some form of digital technology 
that is going to operate on the blockchain. There's not one place in the world right now. You can't pick a spot. Google it and you will see um, from the smallest country to the largest country because we are going to be a digital world. And understanding that, Randall, is, um, I, and I know it's hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around, but the, the thing that, you know, I think you and I have been trying to tell people is it's not going to be any one thing. Like, it's not going to be Bitcoin that's going to run the world. That's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to be Ethereum that's going to run the world or XRP or XLM. It's going to be a basket of, of all of these. And it may be, at it right now, there's 20,000 different uh, digital assets. It may only be a hundred, just like in the digital, in the, the dot-com era, you have all these companies and now you look and there's probably 50 that are left. It's going to be the same thing in the in the digital asset world. You're probably going to have maybe a hundred, maybe even a thousand out of the 20,000 that survive. But those that do survive are going to be so pivotal into the the actions of our world moving forward that even if you are invested in just one of them, you know, if you had a thousand dollars in just one of them, uh, um, you set yourself up or, you, or your family up for, you know, to be at least fairly comfortable. I'm not saying rich, I'm not saying wealthy, but you could be comfortable. And if you're fortunate enough to be in more than one successful one and you have, let's say, $10,000 in there now and, and it goes up a, you know, a, a substantial amount, then yeah, you could be rich or wealthy. You, you, you definitely could. And, you know, I, but my purpose in talking about this is the whole level of financial literacy. You know, we talk about many different levels and this is high level in terms of, of, of investment, but it's still important to understand because communities that don't understand this, individuals that don't understand this, institutions that don't understand it. You know, you are more apt to be victimized by things that you don't understand, but that are happening regardless than, you know, than if you understand what's happening and then you can understand the opportunities and the things that you need to safeguard and the things that you should be transitioning uh, and just thinking about. So that's why I think this is extremely important uh, to our community, to our listeners to kind of... Uh, you know, just kind of hear this. The holidays are here and there's a lot to think about. We're all thinking about spending money, but um, we're talking about the actual very nature of money. And how, well, and, and, yes. Randall, you and I went to open a, a, a business account for, for our, our, our blog at the bank. And, and I won't mention the bank's name, but we talked to the manager and said, hey, you know, what, do you study um, blockchain or digital assets? And she said, ah, no, I don't get into that. I, I don't trust it. This is a bank manager. And I could tell you <laughs> right now you had FedNow that came out that is going to change the entire banking system. It's mm -hmm. not like mm -hmm. it's going being developed. It is, it is out. It has been, already been introduced by the central bank. You then have legislation that is coming through um, Congress that is, again, dealing with digital assets and, and blockchain in the banking system. And then we're talking to a manager that works in the bank that said, I don't trust crypto. I don't believe in blockchain all that. I'm telling you, man, it, you know, if we have bank managers, at, you know, smaller banks, regional banks that are talking that way, it's difficult to imagine someone who's living in a low-income community 
for them to say, you know, to expect them to grasp it or trust it even. Well, it's funny that you say that because um, we often talk about uh, an initiative that JC uh, had in in, mm-hmm. uh, in 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 my. It, in my old stomping grounds where I grew up uh, in Queens, it wasn't exactly in my neighborhood in Queens, but it was in Queens where he went back and understanding, because I think he's a big time investor in these in these types of things, uh, and uh, went back and, and did an educational initiative. And most people really didn't take him up on this because I think people felt like this was beyond them. Uh, and... It was a shame because people could have learned and maybe got into things on the ground floor. And I know that it's when you don't have much money, you tend to be much more risk averse. So, but you got to you, you got to be in it. You, you got to be like like when I buy a lottery ticket, you kind of got to be in it to win it. <laughs> so, well, I I think, and you remember when we talked to Assemblyman Vernell, he yeah. said he was one of the leads in that project, and and so. My opinion to that, Randall, is I think Jay-Z had great intentions, but he, he approached it the wrong way. Uh-huh. And I, I didn't want to say that to the assemblyman, but look, you're 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 taking you're giving a class on how to use an asset that's in the tens of thousands of dollars. You know most people that live in that area, you know, even myself, I you know, I don't own any Bitcoin. Well, I own a little bit now, but I don't really own a Bitcoin because it's it's so high priced. So I focus on the, the lesser priced assets. But if if he had given a class to teach people how to actually be an entrepreneur around the digital asset world, that takes no money. You have right now, Randall, you have a lot of grant programs that are being offered by XRP, Algorand, um, XLM, Cardano, a lot of the where they're trying, they're trying themselves to divert, diversify their blockchain so that, you know, many groups of people around the world, not just in the US, but many groups of people around the world, whether it's in the Latinx community, whether it's in the African diaspora or what have you, they want everybody to, to, develop on their blockchain and and they're giving grants to do that so i think jay-z should have approached it that way he should have connected with some of those blockchains Uh and said hey how can we teach people to be entrepreneurs within the digital asset world whether it's building a a online marketplace that will accept crypto or you know things of that nature instead of saying, hey, this is how you use blockchain, something you're probably never going to be able to own a whole one of, you know. So that's well, my well, when you And I, th- I agree with you. I mean, you, you got to people, teach people the fundamentals, and you got to be able to walk before you can run. So, yeah. you know, there, there's, you know, there is a, a, a sequence to things. But I also think that young people that are in school now, young people that are uh, looking at where the future is going. I mean, as we said with, with, the, with the bank teller, you want to be understanding, you want to be in a position to be able to understand these new emerging technologies so you can take advantage of them. From a, Not only from an investor uh, standpoint, uh, but also, you you know, there's there's so many other sort of, I say, ancillary things, you know, uh, that, that are in this technology, whether you're coding, whether you're developing uh, uh, blockchain technologies, there is so much opportunity 
now and the millionaires that are going to be made moving forward in this in this emerging technologies are going to be those people that understand it that can write code and that can write smart contracts and these these kinds of things along with what's happening in artificial intelligence is going to really rewrite or reset, in many cases, how we live in societies, what our jobs are, uh, what opportunities may be out there, and the people that are the most technically literate in these fields are going to be the winners. So, Randall, when you look at uh, uh, the financial world, one of the things that a lot of people that are, are trading on the stock market, um, some people know it and realize it. You know, they talk about the, the AI digital bot trading and stuff like that. But when you look at BlackRock, and, and look, BlackRock is the king of the hill, right? The, the largest asset management company in the world. BlackRock hasn't been doing personal ind individual trading for years. They created an AI trading bot called Aladdin probably 10 years ago. And, mm -hmm. and, and they grew to become the largest asset manager in the world now. So, so now you have... A, a AI trading bot, and you see that they're pursuing an ETF, which is a strange uh, exchange traded fund of Bitcoin. You know these these markets and these these industries are starting to merge to the point to where AI is starting to get embedded not only in companies but also getting embedded into our 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 asset world where you will have the ability, well, robots or, or AI will have the ability to trade assets in a rapid fashion. And so understanding that, this is what I'm saying is so important is what you were, you know, just articulating is that Governor Newsom came out and he says he wants, he just announced this about, and I put it on our, our webpage, um, that he wants uh, AI, generative AI, to be taught statewide. And I'm not saying I'm against that. What, I'm, what I am saying, though, is I don't want us to get into the same trend that we did with teaching our kids education. Yes, we should educate our kids, but I don't want to educate my kid to, for, for a job. I want to educate my kid to use AI, generative AI, and other tools to be an entrepreneur. Because as we all know, you know, there's very few workers that get rich. It's the entrepreneurs are the ones that make the money. I, I agree with that. And I think that, you know, AI is such a, a big tool for people to use. And but you still have to be able to think like, you you know, and we're going to get into mm -hmm. this in some of our upcoming shows. We're talking about AI and the application of how it's being used in music, how it's being used in drones, how it's being used in all these different uh, models, which then combine also with blockchain and that and that distributed ledger uh, technologies that are really producing some really fantastic uh, results and changes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's about being able to program the machines. It's about being able to learn the prompts. And, and one of the things we're going to talk about uh, in the next upcoming, uh, upcoming weeks is music and AI. And that's something I think that people could really, it, it's a good uh, real life, real world example of how 
that technology is changing what we hear, what we listen to, how music is produced, what artists are now going through and the challenges that they're going through, and the whole idea of ownership of your work. And, and, and if your work is going to be included in that knowledge base that, that an AI will be pulling from, you know, without your permission, then, and that's happening a lot in music, then it becomes now generated into something new, but it's really based on what you did and you're not getting any sort of money or compensation from it. So it is complex and it's important that, as you say, entrepreneurs understand what the opportunities are and the consumers understand what they're seeing and listening to because the, what what's happening between the possibility of these extraordinarily realistic deep fakes and these these artificial these artificially derived music compositions by artists without their permission we're really moving into an incredibly complex time and um, it's going to be hard to sort out who's who and what's what but for business people, it may be hard to keep the integrity of your product. Well, so, you know, just getting back to a, a little bit about, you know, people being entrepreneurs, you know, they think that they have to go out here and, and own a business like a restaurant or something like that, where they feel they, they may not have the tools to run that or to do that. The, the, the economy moving forward is going to be way different the way you earn money is going to be way different. And for example, so hold on, what do you say that information and just to tag on right there, like information is the new gold. Yes. And that's why I was, that's why I was going is content creators are going to be extremely, extremely important and, and a, a good way to earn an income. But data is going is what makes the world go around. The, you know, we've been gathering data on people probably for the last 40, 50 years. And now we've gotten to the point where there's nothing you do that they don't gather data. You and I talked about this, where they're using, where they got facial recognition when you go in the stores or when uh-huh, you swipe uh-huh. your card. So they're gathering so much data on you. It's going to get to the point to where, um, and you see that one bill came out where they, because of Facebook, when they were gathering people's data and all that, whereas you're going to be able to have the opportunity to actually sell your data. Um, and, and that's going to be, I, I don't think that's going to be far off. And so what I try well, to well, tell well, people, well, you're giving it away right now. They're just taking right. it. And so That's what I'm saying. So what I'm telling, when I talk to people about that, I go, look, when things, for example, like a world coin come up where you got to scan your, your um, I do an optic scan and they give you a few coins. I mean, I think it's a mistake for you to do that because you're giving them your digital ID and they're giving you an equivalent of like $10, $20 in free crypto. You know, that whereas probably 10 years from now, your your data is going to be sub- worth substantially more. So for those who, who would want to, or your privacy, right? Maybe you don't want to sell your data at all. Um, right. You know, so like you were just describing, like, you know, people can't come in and, and do a deep fake on me and create a digital Randall or a digital lookalike of Randall. Um, you, you know, so I, I just think data is going to be so important. And I think it's going to be a, rev, a revenue generating avenue for those out there who don't have any other way to generate revenue. 
I, I just don't think you should give it up for pennies right now. Right, right. And these these are the kinds of decisions that us and our children and our children's children will will having you know, to make. And these have repercussions. A lot of times when you signed in on these opt-in deals, and again, they're taking your information and reselling your information mm -hmm. about you. Mm -hmm. You're getting nothing and you don't even know what's out there. You can't even control what is out there about, you know, about you. Uh, and I think that the European Union is actually doing a much better job at data privacy and their rules to enforce it than the United States is at the, at the moment. But these are... Uh, some of the implications that of, of these emerging technologies that I really feel like young people, young technologies, uh, y young people that are interested in technology. I took up engineering uh, when, I, when and I was young and it continued throughout my life. I am an engineer and it has always served me well in being able to understand um, various types of technologies. And, you know, I think that kids really do have to think about when you think about your future, what are the digital applications that are coming out? Where am I most likely to be replaced? What is the uniqueness and the what type of volume of information and technology am I going to have to know in order to be competitive? Because it's it's no longer like uh, I get a job and you know I'm going to be able to be at the job for ten or twenty years at like IBM. The market is moving so fast that they say that, you know, the jobs in the future haven't even been created yep. yet. So we really have to be uh, cognizant. I tell my, my kids to always think about that when they're making career moves. You know, how will AI affect that? How will uh, what we're talking about, cryptocurrencies, uh, Bitcoin, uh, Web3, how are those things likely to affect where you're going to work and what you're going to do? And you can't, re it's coming to a time when you're not really going to be able to just uh, have your head in the sand and, right. you know, and to just do what you were doing or what your dad did or what he did, it's not going to be sufficient uh, uh, for many people. Right. And let me, let me, you know, bring that together with uh, intersection of, of the two. So when you look at AI, um, the, one of the things that I think is going to shake people up, Randall, generally when you have, a new industry, you know, they, the fourth industrial revolution, the third industrial revolution. For each industrial revolution, most times it always, uh, you always saw the, the lower income and middle class get hit really hard when it came to job replacement. And this um, revolution, the fourth industrial revolution, it actually is going to hit the upper middle class to white collar. You, you, you're going to start to see where AI is able to replace um, executive level management, lawyers, you know, accountants, you, you know, companies are going to be putting in this digital uh, accounting. Look at, for example, um, I sent you the clip. I posted it again on our website. People should join our website. Um, Absolutely. And uh, you know what? Uh, People can go to Facebook, go to our website or go to our Facebook page. And that will yeah. lead you to all those other, um, all those other resources, including the podcast. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, you see where a lot of um, AI, you know, generative AI is being built around your financial management sector now. You, you're going to have where you're going to have this this AI um, bot that is going to be handling your 401ks and all this. You're not going to have, you know, human traders doing these, which was considered a, a good white collar, you know, paying job. They're, they're going away. You're going to have lawyers in courts 
um, fighting your parking tickets and things like that. I, I mean, so this is where it's starting to shake people up because you see where there's a real, uh, I don't want to say attack, but a real uh, um, charge to even replace, you know, upper level jobs. So, but where it really comes together, Randall, here's where it really comes together is when you start looking at the service sector, whether it's nurses, whether it's delivering food, whether it's your mail carriers, you know, all these types of jobs that really you provide a service and then someone exchanges an income. Well, you're now going to have where robots will be able to interact with each other and then they can pay each other with, with, with Bitcoin or some form of digital asset. And that's where they're going with this. So is you can have a robot deliver food to your door and then you could just tap your phone on it and pay for it. Right. You don't, or, or you could just have, you know, you could have a, not a driverless car go charge itself and then it, it will pay for itself exchanging some form of digital asset with, with the charging station. There's no, no human involved in that. Right, and right. That's, right. And so how many jobs do you lose in an economy like that? Well, you know, as you say, as these systems become, be, be start to become more autonomous and interoperable with each other, um, there is a significant uh, risk of, of many uh, career paths being quickly outdated. And that's what I'm saying. You have to learn with the flexibility of, of understanding what these technologies are, be on top of them. And I think that we get almost have to go back to uh, what we talked about even with, with the college uh, on, a, on a few programs ago. You're going to have to be a lifetime learner. You're not, you're not going to be able to sit on your knowledge because right. knowledge is growing so exponentially. You're not going to be able to sit with it and not grow it and say, I know enough to be able to do X, Y, Z because that may rapidly change. And so um, we are definitely in a, uh, a, a very challenging time that puts a lot of pressure on it. Now, this, this, we initially started the, today's shows off with a lot of uh, Christmas cheer. And so uh, kind of hard when you have so much to think about that, you know, in, in, in this aspect, when we talk about technology and where it's going. But um, certainly along with all of these uh, problems and these risks, there is opportunity. And yep. if people and, and the best things that people can do is to learn about what's what's going on. Again, don't put your head in the sand. Learn about um uh, digital technologies, digital assets, and be on top of it as much as you can so that um, that you don't get lost in the mix. Absolutely. Look, Reno, here's why I say this, this is probably the greatest opportunity that people who are on the lower rung will have to lift themselves up, even probably the greatest opportunity that, that we've had in, in the history of mankind because we're starting a new sip, a new system from its infancy. And, and even the people at the top don't know exactly how it's going to shake out. But what, what you should know is that data and your understanding of data and, and your ability to be a creator, you know, you see these people on TikTok and people are laughing at them. But these people at TikTok who are creating content, some of these people are making $10,000, $20,000 a week, Right. And, and once you start to exponentially grow that on, on other platforms and put that on blockchain and, and 
start coming up with other creative ideas. Like I was watching this one woman, she um, she was doing a, a uh, she was a physical trainer. She was doing it in a gym and she said, oh, you know, I had three clients a week. Well, she's now doing 15 clients a day and she she's doing it out of her home because she put it all online and these clients are logging in and paying her the same amount of money. Then they're they're training in their home where they're more comfortable, and she she logs online with a screen and stuff. I mean, I was thinking about that. I seen the Peloton commercials, and they yeah. and they and they feature uh, those folks. Well, we are about to wrap up to uh, today. Thank you so much, uh, Bill, uh, for coming on uh, our crossover episode of what's happening uh, on the radio and with our podcast. I think this was a great way um, to to uh, discuss these things, and I thank you so much. And again, you can go to our Facebook page and see this. But I'm going to end with the Christmas song uh, so that uh, so that we keep the, we keep the mood uh, intact. So that does it for this uh, Tuesday's after uh, Tuesday afternoon radio show with your host Randall Martin and our great guest uh, Bill Hughes. And we will see you next time. Yep. And happy holidays, everyone.